0: And welcome to Bright Lights Big Data, a podcast about people, places, and data. I'm your data host, Tammy Armstrong.
1: And I'm your planning host, Mike Armstrong.
0: Woohoo! We're back. Yeah.
1: So, we had talked a little bit about different topics that we could do. And I'm kind of surprised this one didn't come to mind sooner. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about SimCity,
0: everyone's favorite game. Super Maybe? relaxing.
1: Which I need to admit, I've never played.
0: What?
1: I will say that there is a large section of planners of a certain age where SimCity is why they got into it.
0: I would imagine. I mean, it's just been around the right amount of time for our generation. That I'm sincerely, it's like Oregon Trail to me. Like I, I'm shocked you haven't played it.
1: Yeah, the Have first you played one. Played Oregon Trail. Yeah. Okay. The first one came out in '89, I believe.
0: Look at you, researching facts and figures.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's wrong. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so computer game, simulating, uh, building up town cities from scratch, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't get the real life example of, hey, everything's already built, don't right. try to change it. <laughs> right. But yeah, so I think it's a pretty big thing. It's one where there's a lot of think pieces, mm. bad word, a lot of articles written about this topic about what planners think about it, what they you know if they play it if they don't play it all those kinds mm-hmm. of things and every i don't know how often i guess i think there's four sim cities out now like like we're up to sim city 4 okay so well but there come,
0: was sim city 2000 there's like mobile versions i mean there's okay yeah there's a yeah, lot yeah, out there's
1: there, usually yeah. a few new articles written mm-hmm. every
0: time a new one's released
1: gotcha. and it's over 30 years old so when I was researching this I saw a lot of like SimCity turns 30 articles
0: Yeah, and it's something that I think a lot of planning topics I'm kind of searching for something that I can (laughs) contribute to the topic but since this is kind of, you know, within the constructs of a game and some of the other things that we can talk about with it. Like, I'm I'm excited about the conversation we can have together on this.
1: Yeah. And this one was actually your idea. Hey. Um, <laughs> you found some interesting articles about it that we'll get into. I think I'm leading off today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get to that. But SimCity is something that, as soon as you mentioned the topic, I started thinking about to our previous episodes. hmm And how often when we talk about things, we end up talking about what is the data chosen to go into a model Mm -hmm. and what are the assumptions within that model and how that shapes our understanding of what the outputs are. Because so many people, especially in the planning profession, but also not, this is their understanding of planning, is this game. (laughs) right? So it means a lot if there are, say some very severe underlying fallacies <laughs> right. represented within this mm-hmm. that people have then incorporated or internalized in their assumption of how cities work.
0: Right. It's, cities are a big complex thing to assume that game developers have perfectly captured within their, their program.
1: So you can tell the type of research that I've done. I don't remember who actually developed SimCity, it's like Ian Wright, I believe. But the game developer for this pulled a lot of their planning theory, because he was not an urban planner,
0: mm-hmm.
1: from the work of Jay Forrester. Okay. Um, Is that
0: a famous planning dude?
1: Not really. It was not somebody that I knew. He wrote a book called Urban Dynamics. I think he was actually more of an engineer, like systems modeling kind of person first. Okay. But since it started from a single person's kind of theories of how city development works, that's a lot of assumptions already baked into this. Right. Because I think what anyone can agree is that cities are incredibly complex. It's very hard to identify simple cause and effect. And so it's interesting, like going back through the book Urban Dynamics and what sort of theories are espoused within it, it has a lot of conservative libertarian ideas Hmm. from, you know, like leading up into like Nixon's time, a lot of the terminology that they would use. So one of the first things that they had was this idea of benign neglect, which is that cities are so complex that any policy intervention will just make it worse. Hmm. That we need to be as hands-off as possible, which, I mean, is a very conservative libertarian right, ideal absolutely and again this is not an argument over which one is right or wrong because it is incredibly complex but if that one set of ideas is the entire basis for the game like right it does skew a certain way it's
0: not objective fact as we know it you know it hasn't been proven to be true and that's a big assumption to base everything else off of
1: So how it plays out in the game is through things like class stereotypes.
0: Hmm. So
1: in the first SimCity, there were really three classes of professional managerial people, sort of general workers, and then underemployed or unemployed. Like those are the three classes of people.
0: Hmm.
1: And that, you know, as situations changed, people moved between those Brackets.
0: So you got like, I have to admit, it's been a long time since I've played one of the PC games that are much more complex than like a mobile SimCity or something like that, where it gets more into stats like employment and crime and things like that. So are you saying you had population counts in each of those sort of buckets? Pretty much. Interesting.
1: And so, you know, they're driven by what type of work is available and different mm-hmm. factors that supposedly attract these different classes. So if you, you know, start a new factory, it's going to pull in more of the working class because there's jobs available there. But these different classes have in-game traits and characteristics. So the lower classes have higher birth rates. (laughs) The lower classes have lower tax contributions, have higher public service expenses. (laughs) You know, some of these things are based on demographic work and some is not based on much of anything they're inputs into a game and when it was first developed i would imagine a pretty small portion in terms of thinking ahead of time so you're developing this massive simulation i doubt this is the part he spent the most time on but it has a big impact and it has a big impact in terms of how people experience planning and what it all means yeah one of the examples of this from Urban Dynamics is Jay Forrester kind of believed that uh, low-income housing is one of the worst possible things that we can do. Hmm. That it increases local tax burden, it attracts underemployed or unemployed people from out of the region, and it reduces upward economic mobility.
0: Hmm.
1: So That's I think you can in- see interesting.
0: that, yeah.
1: you know, there's... People who make that argument and people who make an opposing argument. But if this is the only perspective on the issue, then like that bleeds into the entire model and simulation.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That you'd effectively be penalized for having too many of that class.
1: Right. So I always come back to that thought when you're talking about when you're developing models and sort of this acceptance we have of models of like oh the model said it so it's right. it has this sort of backing when a lot of time our models are based on fallacies or incomplete information or biased information and mm-hmm. that completely determines how the simulation or model plays out Absolutely. and that as a you know casual player you're not going to think about those things even when you're getting deeper into the game in other ways. So
0: Well, and I would also argue too that this gets into sort of like implicit bias too. Like um, this is a topic that's been coming up and I think we mentioned this a little bit in our ethics episode, but like how even if you're programming something that doesn't seem like it would involve value judgments, if you hold a worldview that you maybe haven't even verbalized to yourself means that some people are more important than others, then you maybe didn't collect data on the less important people because it just didn't even occur to you and that engages bias into the entire process.
1: Yeah. It just fascinates me. And so I'll circle back to this, um, but I wanted to talk about a few of the newer things. So first round of the game, you know, quite a while ago, you could, you're limited in what you could think about because it mm-hmm. was, you know, coming from nothing. It had never been done before. Very complex. Mm-hmm. They keep making new versions of SimCity. And so they get a chance to look at these things again. And you will immediately see why this really spoke to me. There was an interview I read with SimCity's, one of their newer designers, like not from originally mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. game, but I think for SimCity 4, they were part of the, or led the design team. And their name is Stone LeBrand? LeBrande? Okay. Anyway. So they asked the designer, you know, what surprised you when you went and researched and measured towns and cities in real life in order to put them in the game and figure out how that all works, what surprised you? And the first one that they said was like parking lots, (laughs) right? So I think not just for transportation planners, but for a lot of planners, like when you're talking about how a city or town is designed, Parking is one of the first things that we talk about because we have so many, again, kind of artificial requirements for what parking is. Like the mandatory minimum amount of parking each place has to provide Mm -hmm. has a drastic impact on what you're able to do and what shape the city takes. I wanted to uh, read one of her answers during this interview. So they said, uh, when I started measuring out our local grocery store, which I don't think of as being that big, I was blown away by how much more space was parking lot rather than actual store. Hmm. That was kind of a problem because we were originally just going to model real cities, but we quickly realized there were too many parking lots in the real world and that our game was going to be really boring if it was proportional in terms of parking lots. (laughs) So the interview was like, so you would be making Sim parking lot rather than Sim City, (laughs) right? And so the game assumes that... You still have the amount of parking spots that occur in real life, but they're just underground hmm. so they'll have a grocery store and it'll have like six parking spots when in reality, it has hundreds mm-hmm. no matter how busy the grocery store is it you know they're pretty massive, and so the game just assumes that they're underground, which is something that nobody can afford to do right so already we've drastically changed mm-hmm. the way that cities function and how this all works
0: yeah there are some but it's very rare that that happens
1: and again it's just one of those that i see when we're doing planning process and talking to people of that we have values and a vision of how we would like our city or our places to be and then we immediately undercut them for this sense of like defensiveness and convenience yeah. that we're so worried about not having enough parking that we are going to drastically overbuild it.
0: Does part of you wish that they had kept it in as like a teaching tool for players? <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> like, uh. man, this sucks. You never have to deal with all this parking before.
1: So I almost want to go around and interview like people who got into SimCity and then went
0: for mm-hmm. urban planning because
1: they always excited about it and then hit that point of like, oh... None of this is how it really is. I right. don't get to make the pretty places I did in SimCity because mm-hmm. now instead of having six parking spots, I have 120.
0: Well, and obviously there's a certain line where it's like you probably aren't going to do like an environmental survey and uh, pull permits and <laughs> fill out the paperwork. Right, and have, <laughs> have
1: people scream at you in a public meeting. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was all really interesting. I mean, there's other things of they don't even have mixed use. So like you can't have Oh yeah. You can't have an apartment over a shop.
0: It's always residential, commercial, industrial. That's yeah. it. Three separate zones.
1: That's all kind of an, like background things pulled from articles and interviews. Because me and you play a lot of video games
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I haven't played this game. One of the things that I really wanted to look at is like, all right, let me search for SimCity. SimCity four is the most recent one, I think. And look for tips.
0: So oh, if somebody's yeah, starting yeah, yeah. the game,
1: like, what are the great strategies for being good How at How do Sim you
0: min-max city? it or whatever, yeah. yeah.
1: And I found a couple of different articles about it. And they are as you would think. <laughs> so first tip, hold off on public services.
0: Oh. Build
1: public <laughs> services only as needed. They're not necessary when you first start the city. Uh, build low-density commercial residential zones and medium-density industrial.
0: So you build an office park.
1: <laughs> you build office parks and power plants.
0: This and is so depressing. Of,
1: and a little bit of it is because you have to start from scratch, right? which means you can't just get electricity from an existing source. So that makes right. a little you bit of sense. You have to build
0: a power plant. You have a small amount of money to start, and so you have to build up a tax base. I mean, that's how the game is designed to work.
1: Not something that anyone ever does. Right. Um, When's
0: the last time somebody started a city from scratch?
1: Right. Hold off on fire and police departments. Build only when citizens begin demanding them. Some SimCity 4 players will wait until their first fire occurs before building a fire department.
0: (laughs) I mean, I would also then argue... Some SimCity 4 players still wouldn't build them after. I mean, that's the nature of the word some, but (laughs) it's just funny to me. (laughs)
1: Um, So this is from SimCity's Reddit. Uh, You know, just bought SimCity 4. Any general tips for getting started? You can build a crap load of cheap polluting coal power plants in a small city tile and then sell cheap electricity to your neighbors. The pollution doesn't cross the city border.
0: Oh, no. I don't know how I feel about this conversation. <laughs> ah. Oh, what else you get? Lay it on me.
1: Getting back to the, you know, it's all comes back to the same thing of build services when people complain about them, not immediately. So schools, water, fire, police hospitals, you don't really need them until your city's larger. And then once you do, keep an eye on the funding and keep it down as far as you can while still covering everyone. So again, do the bare minimum for providing services, education, hospital Mm -hmm. medical. So you wanna keep cutting funding until people complain. Right. And again, this is one of those where like it's a silly thing, but like not far off the conservative libertarian
0: right ideal of how
1: this works, right? Of like you wanna cut as many social services as possible, any government Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: does occur, you want to keep as minimally funded as possible.
0: The problem is there, again, there's no nonprofit sector (laughs) in SimCity. Like there's no, like that other part of the libertarian kind of worldview is that, you know, private industry arises to take care of those things, but that's not even really allowed for in the structure of the game. Um,
1: And then there's just some weirder things too of like, You wouldn't think big deal, but like people who play video games, some of them are always going to look for ways to break the system. Yes. So the best tip I know is to make sure you set all school bus and ambulance funding to zero. Just build several schools and hospitals with tight overlapping coverage. It is cheaper to build multiple hospitals than to fund ambulances. Oh my
0: goodness. Y'all can walk and drive yourselves.
1: Right? It's one of those of like, these are sort of silly things that are part of a game. Mm -hmm. And I don't take it very seriously. Like, I don't think this is something that planners need to stand up for. It's not that crucial. But it does influence, like, it's taught in schools Mm -hmm. at times. Um, For a lot of people, this is, even though they wouldn't say it is, like, it forms part of the foundation of how they assume cities work. Yeah. So some of the newer ones have transit included in it. And the game makes the assumption that all of the costs of transit are up front. So, you know, if you're going to do subway, all of the cost is upfront because that's sort of the same assumption they make about highways. Mm -hmm. So that it takes all the money to build it and then you're fine. Whereas so much of the cost for transit especially is on the operations. Right. And so, again, you're kind of misleading people.
0: They take a lot of maintenance.
1: They do. And it's one of those of, again, when people go to city meetings or hear about, like, how taxes are going to be raised or how it's going to be spent, and they have this sort of,
0: Hmm.
1: I don't know, little...
0: Sort of default thinking.
1: Yeah, like, I don't know, like, almost like detritus in the back (laughs) of their head of, you know, they wouldn't ever think, like, oh, my thinking is formed by SimCity because they recognize that that is silly. But at the same time, like, if this is the only time you really think about it,
0: Right. It we starts to inform you. Yeah. Generally, in general education, we're not really learning about how cities work <laughs> or are built. You know, That's why a lot of people don't understand what you do. And it's taken me 10 years of marriage <laughs> to be able to explain it to people. It's not like other fields per se, where people have a general understanding of what the heck it even is. So if that's your only basis, that. You might not think about it, but yeah, that's what you're going off of. I like how you basically just said people's heads are full of garbage. <laughs> the nicest way possible.
1: I I think about that a lot. I think I've used that phrase before, and I don't mean it in that quite that way. <laughs> but at the same time, like you just sort of accumulate all of this yeah. little bits and pieces from different things that just shades how you mm-hmm. how you view it.
0: And it's hard to unlearn things like it's easy to learn wrong things. And I'm going to go ahead and, and take a position. But like people who have quote unquote learned that vaccines cause autism or, you know, other bad things for your children, it's really hard for people to let go of that concept. Even people who have accepted that it's not true still have that in the back of their minds. Like it's always lingering that you knew that and believed that at one point. And I mean, that's why political gaslighting is so tricky because, you know, you can say falsehoods a million times and people will know that they're falsehoods, but just the way that our brains work, they kind of, those things worm their way in and become a part of you. And you, you start to question, why is that in my head? Is that a true thing or a false thing, I don't remember anymore. So I mean I I am totally on board with the concept of kind of factoids rolling around in your head or or beliefs yeah. and ideas and frameworks that may or may not be valid.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of things to talk about for SimCity, but for me one of the what was most interesting for me after talking to you, you know, on this podcast for over a year now. Um, is coming back to the idea of models are not neutral. Yeah. That it's about who designs them, what inputs, what data is chosen. And that's kind of what I found.
0: Well, and it's interesting. I don't know if the game does this, if it has a mode where you can start with a pre-built city. Um, Because like we kind of mentioned earlier, like who's building brand new cities anymore? There aren't exactly a lot of parcels of land that are totally undeveloped that somebody's going to go out and go, here, (laughs) that's the new frontier. You know, it's suburbs that we see growing into larger, denser areas, maybe, or existing cities that need to figure things out and optimize things. So it'd be kind of interesting to just plop a city. And I guess that's probably why they were measuring other cities, you know, that maybe you can play in. Play London or whatever, but
1: oh, we're gonna see you know, Sim City 5, it's gonna be all about data centers. <laughs>
0: um, okay. but you know, that would be perhaps a more realistic kind of thing because Sim City as a game isn't just an all fun and games sort of like they're produced by the same company, um, Maxis Games, uh, as The Sims, which is has a reputation for being very silly. You know, it that game is not about a realistic worldview and, and set up for The Sims. But sim City has always been a much more serious game.
1: Right. A lot of the things I've read and heard from other people is that oftentimes it just feels like an accounting sim.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of remember getting it. It was one of the first games we got on our original PlayStation. And I was thinking like, oh, this will be fun. And then it's like the most boring game imaginable to me as like a 12-year-old kid. Just like, what the? Heck? Beige... Little, what is this? <laughs> right.
1: And to me, permanently. <laughs> I was just all like numbers and balancing budgets. No, thank you.
0: So what I wanted to talk about with SimCity actually goes all the way back to the roots of SimCity 1. Someone named, I think, Sam Earl wrote a paper on a neural network. So it's good, good timing with our last episode talking about what neural networks are to play essentially SimCity 1. So there's an open source emulator of the original SimCity and he basically set up this framework to teach the neural network how to play SimCity 1. And as we said that, you know, those games are pretty complicated, you know, there there isn't Some of the mobile games are pretty much you just have money and population and then you can do whatever you want. But even the original game had a lot of things where, yeah, you've got your population, you've got your different zoning types, you've got crime, you've got tax income, and you've got all of these different things that feed into each other. And so for simplicity's purposes, this researcher was basically just trying to teach the neural network to maximize population, and they found some really interesting things along the way. And it was just kind of, you know, they they would look at different sizes of maps. So do you basically have 16 by 16 squares or 20 by 20 or how big do you get? And a lot of times like we do with neural networks, it would find kind of a local optima. So it would figure out like, okay, let's build a power plant. And I don't want to spend money building power lines. So I'm going to put everything right next to the power plant And it would pick up on kind of an early glitch in SimCity 1, which was that, um, if I understand this correctly, you didn't actually have to have roads connected to anything. So it wasn't about optimizing paths of roads or connecting services. If you had a residential area with a road tile touching it, and that road tile is touching no other road tiles that entire neighborhood is connected to everything else in your city because it's touching the road network. So it would just build these goofy little cul-de-sacs and weird little things that aren't connected to anything. Mm -hmm. And because it was finding these local, and when I say local, I mean it's not the universally best solution, but if you were to graph it on a line chart, you'd have this line going up and down and up and down and up and up and up. And every time it has the peak of a hill, That's a local maximum. So it would find one of those and then it would play around with other things and just have these really wide fluctuations in population. But some of the things, again, back to the entire idea of how this works or doesn't, you know, again, they kind of made these simplifying assumptions. So the neural network was given virtually unlimited funds to start with, which is not how that game works. That's Um, how real life works. (laughs) But they didn't let the neural network change the tax rates or any budgets for public services or anything like that. So it was really all about building. They only cared about population. So what they were finding is that it was only building residential areas and so everyone was unemployed and crime was extremely high. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and it was failing to deliver power to the suburbs. (laughs) So, because you didn't have to have roads connected, but you do have to have power plants connected to things. Mm -hmm. And they can, can be connected either by other zones touching each other or by building power lines. But they were like, eh. It just for whatever reason, it wasn't, I guess, impacting population enough for the game to discover that it should get power out to there. So the researcher actually had to build a mini game within the game to create the objective for the computer to Make sure everybody had power. (laughs) And so this is like a a constraint when we think about constraint optimization. Optimization under constraints. But realistically, that could also be considered like a regulation, (laughs) you know, right? It's like, listen, developers, you can't just build houses out in the middle of nowhere. They have to have power, okay? (laughs) Don't just let people assume they're going to have power. So I thought this was interesting to just talk about like the concept of optimization as a whole. So, you know, this is can be extremely simple or extremely complex a really basic example and a classic example that i think comes up in school when you're learning how to build these for optimization under constraints and, and and before i go into that i'll just introduce two things i think we've talked about before but you know so you've got something called an objective function which is what you are trying to either maximize or minimize and then you have your constraints which are basically your assumptions of what you can and can't do And so you might be saying like, I want to maximize units sold, but I only have this much budget for production. So a classic example is minimizing the amount of distance driven between factories and warehouses. So maybe you've got five factories and 10 warehouses and you know the distances between each of those combinations of factories and warehouses but you would have it subject to capacity constraints. So each warehouse can only hold so much and um, each factory produces a certain amount. And that's a classic. So you're kind of mm-hmm. saying like, maybe there's one warehouse that's closest to all the factories, but you can't just put everything in there because it's going to run out of room. And so it got me thinking about like, what should we be maximizing or minimizing for a city? You know, if we were to try to use City as a basis... Um, and of course, that like we've talked about, there there are issues there. It, it kind of takes me to other examples of like weather modeling and what the National Weather Service and other researchers try to do to model weather. And what you would essentially have to do is model every single particle in our atmosphere to understand the butterfly effect of how all of these different weather systems move because pollution doesn't just stop at the city's boundaries. And that's an extremely computationally intensive task and just very difficult to ever gather the information you would need to get it right. So, and I, I think the same is true for cities in a lot of ways. Like you'd have to model every single person in their lives. But if we could simplify it to an acceptable extent in a sim city like way, what would we be trying to maximize or minimize? And what constraints would we impose to say, no, you have to have power to everybody. You have to have... Ambulances and fire departments and all of these other services. And so it's just a conversation I wanted to have with you of like what should we be maximizing and minimizing? Like probably not just population. <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably not. I think that would say a lot about the individual, right? I don't think people would agree on what it would be. Right. So some would say, not. you know, economic prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um
0: or maybe even a different way of putting it is what do you think most cities or a lot of cities do attempt to maximize or minimize and whether or not they are explicitly doing it? Yeah. Is it their chances of reelection? <laughs> it's definitely
1: part of it. I think employment and economic productivity would be pretty high. Yeah. So you think about what sort of subsidies and incentives are given out. The biggest ones are usually to large-scale developments or employers moving into the area.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, trying to get the Facebook data center or, yeah. you know, when we were in Portland, it was trying to keep Intel and Nike headquarters there. Mm-hmm. And that was a significant chunk of resources going to keep yeah. them there. So I think that would be pretty high for a lot of people. Um I think some people would say stability.
0: Stability of what?
1: I think just like, so minimizing crime, minimizing civic unrest, Mm -hmm. minimizing disruptions to like Mm -hmm. day-to-day life. I think a lot of people,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: whether they would say it or not, that's a big part of it, right?
0: It's kind of almost back to the predictability of commute conversation.
1: Yeah. So... I've been pretty influenced by this team in Canada um, and they wrote a book called Happy City.
0: I was going to mention that.
1: And that's probably the route that I would go down. Yeah. I think anything like economic prosperity, we've already seen the studies of like it increases happiness up to a point and then there's diminishing returns. Like I don't think that's... Like, if we're trying to maximize it, I don't think we're actually getting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like, there's a there's a point where we need to stop maximizing that. Hold
0: on a second. Our cats are being ridiculous. Guys, cut it out. Stop fighting.
1: Pod, Podcats. Anyway. So, for me, it would always come back to that idea of happiness. So, a mm-hmm. certain amount of economic productivity, of course, like, people want to feel productive, have things to do, like, have a job, have income, be able to have a not just a livable wage but also have like discretionary spending kind Mm -hmm. of thing like there is some of that to it but i think that misses the larger picture and that you know in sim city if you developed just a ton of power plants and then sold off Mm -hmm. the excess energy as well like you could have a very prosperous city right that is heavily polluted Mm -hmm. with a lot of jobs that like significant portions of the population do not enjoy. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think I would go back to that.
0: I like that. it's sort of a, so there's this concept in linear algebra called principal components. And it's basically just that you take a lot of variables and you minimize them to one or, mm-hmm. or a few. Um, so that kind of feels like, you know, one concept that holds a lot of other concepts within it. For me, I think it would be really focused on like health and equality. Mm-hmm. So kind of back to that idea of happiness, it's just sort of like how the the proxy variables that I would use for it. So sort of like health outcomes or life expectancy and not just life expectancy, but also I can never remember what it's called, but there's this great concept of basically like effective years of life lost. So you could be living, but if you're extremely unhealthy and you don't get to live those years to their fullest because of metabolic disorder or whatever, mm-hmm. then that that's captured there. So I would use something like that. And I think that that captures a lot of things like pollution and water quality and gun violence and just like a lot of other things that can impact that, as well as equality in terms of... I don't just want to say income inequality because you could have like, again, in terms of uh, neural networks doing things in unexpected ways, you could have really great economic equality because everyone is equally poor. You know, I think there needs to be a, a basic threshold uh, constraining that and then have as much equality as possible. That's kind of what rattles through my head.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, maybe this is a conversation for a future episode, but, like, happiness is not something that cities ever talk about. The terminology that you'll often see is quality of life. So for Mm -hmm. cities, when they talk about quality of life, that's when they're talking about parks and trails and good schools and, you know, all of those other things.
0: Well, and it's it's interesting because, like, I know my dad has asked me before, like, what's the best city <laughs> like right. what what's what's the best one and that sort of is a really interesting question because it sort of implies that there is one way to measure that objectively I mean, and I that. to rank it <laughs> right,
1: yeah, yeah, I know which one's the best city you want to share uh whichever one you're in
0: oh snap, you're good for the rest of the year, man. yeah, that was a good I'm one. Done. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, how do I even follow that? But a lot of the, you know, different blogs and travel websites and different magazines that put out all these different rankings, right? And we all get very excited, like Des Moines made the top 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. They sometimes use quality of life, but it's the proxies that they use are often like unemployment and median income and commute times and things like that, which I agree like a long commute, I think would make me unhappy, Mm -hmm. but that's another thing that we tend to solve for in the wrong way. Right. Um, Like I can still live 45 miles from where I work, but if you have a seven lane highway, then I can get there in 40 minutes or whatever. So, yeah, it's just it's just a really interesting thing that we see people ranking cities and kind of throwing out ideas of these metrics that you could be trying to maximize or minimize, but they put out different answers. You know, mm-hmm. you get sometimes completely different cities in those lists. So, yeah, I don't really have a strong conclusion to this topic, but I just, I think it's fascinating to have those games as frameworks and models, see what happens when we let a neural network go nuts at it and see where that points out weaknesses in the models, but also things that we do in real life. Yeah, try to be better.
1: Yeah, so feel free to let us know your SimCity experiences.
0: (laughs) And what do you look for in a city, maybe? Yeah. Which is a great thing to... Keep in mind, local elections are coming up on November 5th. And while these often don't get as much attention as general elections that involve state or federal races, these ones are super important. What happens with your city? What are they trying to maximize or minimize? So we have city and school board elections coming up November 5th. And you can vote now. You can vote early in your county election office, uh, at least in Polk County. So please make sure your voice is heard. Go vote. So yeah, anything you want to talk about? Any more love you want to send my way? (laughs) No, I told you I'm covered. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks as always for listening.
1: This has been Bright Lights, Big Data, and we'll see you next time.